Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. Jesus' baptism is a gift that we can claim as our own. It is an open invitation to be a part of the body of Christ. All are welcome. All are invited. This everyday gift of water reminds us that we are all God's beloved. Today, Pastor Jen Tyler shares the story of the baptism of Jesus from Mark 1 and the life, love, grace, and forgiveness that comes from the waters of baptism. Here is the First Church Message of the Week. Won't you join with me as we say a word of prayer together? Holy and loving God, as we gather and we worship you this day, we ask that you would continue to open our ears that we might hear your voice more clearly, to open our eyes that we might see you more clearly, and our hearts that we might love you more deeply as you read us from any and all distractions so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So today is a special day in the church. It is a day uh, known liturgically as Baptism of the Lord Sunday, in which we gather to celebrate the gift and the sacrament of baptism. A sacrament, of course, uh, is a word that we often use in church and rarely take time to unpack, but taking time to celebrate the gift of baptism is a moment to celebrate one of these means of grace, one of the ways that God comes to us uh, through our Christian faith and traditions. When we are baptized in the Christian church, we are baptized in the name of the Trinitarian God. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just as Justin and Violet and Dayton all were this morning. And when we do that, baptism becomes one of the most recognized and well-accepted symbols in Christian faith. That's why baptism is one of the most sacred acts that we are all invited to take part in in the church. It is one of the most tangible things that we do, too. I love that when we gather at the font, we have this small reservoir of water, like here today. And if I'm feeling particularly uh, spry, perhaps, I might do as I did this morning, and I turned around and I splashed the children a little, or I'll splash Pastor Abigail because she's the only one that I can reach. And water is one of those things that's a part of our everyday life so that we can remember our baptisms and be thankful. I didn't do that at the other services, so she's really giving me a look right now. I wish you could see it. Baptism, though, is this wonderful thing that invites us to be joyful. I didn't see a single person in the room when I did that who didn't have a grin on our face. Water is something that reminds us of the gift of the ordinariness of baptisms. Because the water that is held in this font, it's not special in and of itself. It came from a water faucet this morning. It was a lot warmer at 10 o'clock than it is now, I'll tell you. My hand is now very cold. But it's the same as the water that we use to drink or to eat or to take showers or wash our faces. It's the same as water, although I promise it didn't come from there, as we use in the toilets every day. (laughs) Part of what makes this water special is not where it comes from, but for lack of a better word, what makes it so special is that it's so normal. 
Because at least here in Watertown, South Dakota, water is accessible. It's an everyday part of our lives in both life-giving and fun ways, as well as some life-sustaining ways. Now, I made a joke about the, some of the most fun ways being water and swimming, and maybe you don't want to do that outside today, but someone after 10 o'clock worship reminded me that they do love to ice fish, and they're grateful for the cold water, too. Water is a gift to us in more ways than we can count, tangible and intangible ways, invisible and invisible ways. But it's also a lot more than that. Because this water that is an outward invisible sign of that inward work of God within us, well, at our baptisms, we are inviting God to come wash over us anew as we acknowledge the gift of God's presence in our lives through this sacrament. This is true for both children and adults, which is why in the United Methodist Church, no one is too young or too old to be baptized. Because we believe that God's grace and God's work in our lives comes to us long before we are able to put words towards understanding it. And so we are able to choose baptism for ourselves or our children or our loved ones, not simply because it's a ritual of the church that has become a tradition, although traditions are important, but because something more than that is at work in this. Because through baptism, we have the opportunity to acknowledge the way that God is at work in our lives and to invite the Spirit to come and work in continual and new ways. And it's in this way that we celebrate baptism as the first step in a long journey of one's life in Christ and of our life in the church. That's why when Justin and Violet and Dayton came up here this morning to be baptized, not only did they and their parents make promises, but we turned and asked the congregation to do the very same thing, to take part in the service, to renew our own commitments of baptism as we affirm our faith together, as we spoke words of a traditional creed, and as we promised to do our part to teach our children and these children about the gift of God's love. That commitment that we make together to one another is the very same commitment likely made at each and every one of your baptisms, which is why we believe that faith communities are so important because we cannot fully live our own faith without other people. We believe instead that a community is important because we can only live into the fullness of faith and community when we let them live together, when we live and serve and worship together. Now, especially over the last couple years, this has taken lots of forms. We have various services, for example, here at First Church. We even have two campuses here in our sanctuary and one that is online. We give thanks for the various ways that we can celebrate together, and we give thanks for the tangible ways that, well, I couldn't have splashed Abigail if she hadn't come today. I love baptisms in this sacrament because of the tangible ways like that, that we get to celebrate these gifts together. I love being able to lift one another up in faith in these ways. 
That is why one of my favorite stories in scripture, and I know I say that a lot, if I had to pick one, this is probably my favorite story of Jesus in scripture, is the story of Jesus' baptism. And so I'm going to read that for us today. I want to read it from the Gospel of Mark. Uh, This is a story that reminds me and us that we are God's own perfect chosen creations from the very day of our birth. And yet we know that on the day of baptism, the day of rebirth through water and the Spirit, we get to be both conscious beings who witness transformation that takes part in baptism, but we also get to be a part of it. I want you to think about that while I read the story from Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Here ends our reading today. So this passage starts by talking about Jesus' cousin, John, who's the crazy guy in the wilderness. Honestly, I'm not ever, no matter how many times I've studied it, I'm never going to be sure why they tell us how he was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist as he ate locusts and not just any honey, but wild honey. But it sure does paint a picture, doesn't it? And then we jump ahead in verse 10, and I've asked them to leave these last couple of verses on the screen, because if you could already picture John with the wild dress and the wild honey he's eating with locusts, well, you can picture this scene too, can't you? As they're down at the river, and we are told that a dove, which is, by the way, the ultimate sign of peace, that dove came swooping down in just the right moment, at the time of Jesus' baptism. And as we watch this scene unfold, I cannot help but to imagine the bystanders on the bank of the river. I imagine them giving witness to this scene as it unfolds, and I imagine them being sure in that moment, if they weren't before, that there was something about this man named Jesus that was different. And perhaps even more than that, I imagine them wondering if maybe it wasn't even just Jesus that there was something different about. But maybe from this moment on, there would be something different about the ways God comes and interacts with us. After all, I don't know about you, but it's not every day that I hear a booming voice from the sky as the heavens open up and doves swoop down, right? I wonder if in that moment they knew that there was a difference that came to be 
then that continues with us even today. Because in this moment, we mark new life in the Lord our God. In this moment of Jesus' baptism, I cannot imagine better or more perfect words being spoken than those that we heard from that booming voice from the heavens that says to us, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. Now, I don't think we take very much time to think about or realize it. But as people who are created in the image of God, I cannot imagine more perfect words for an occasion like this one. Because in this moment, when Jesus offered himself in baptism, just as we offer ourselves or our loved ones over to God in our moments of baptism, in those moments, we are essentially saying to God, take us. Take us as we are. Take us tattered and torn. Take us imperfect and striving, healthy or ill. Take us amidst the journey of life that we find ourselves on. Whether we are well on our way or maybe feeling a bit lost and unsure where to go. Wherever we are, when we turn to God and accept or renew this gift and these vows and these commitments that we make in our baptism, in that moment we are saying and embracing these words. Yes, we are God's beloved, created in God's image. You are God's beloved. And even more than that, do you see the good news that is interwoven in these words? When it tells us that all are welcome, we believe that all are welcome to turn and to receive the sacrament of baptism. All are welcome to be a part of the body of Christ in this way, each and every one of us. And I would argue that Jesus redefined that inclusion, not just in this moment of baptism, but with all that he did. As he lived his ministry in ways that assured us that no matter where you come from, he assured us again and again, no matter if you're a Gentile or a Jew or a widow or a widower or employed or unemployed or male or female, all are welcome, he said, again and again. Those on the margins, those who are grieving, those who are working through shame, those who are lonely or far from friends and family, whether it's physically or emotionally. Whether you have been a part of a faith community for 10 generations back, or you identify as a newcomer or a transplant or a student or a visitor. Whether you were born in this country or you traveled halfway across the world to find your second home. Do you hear how the list could go on and on? Whether you are a stay-at-home mom or you are wondering what's next as you retire, wherever you are in life, God reminds us through this everyday gift of water and the sacrament of baptism that we share together that you are beloved. This is a message that I think we should focus on and celebrate more often. Because it seems like no matter if we are young or old or faithful or afraid or anywhere on these spectrums or maybe everywhere on these spectrums, 
No matter how we identify as we come to this place today, I believe these three things spoken to Jesus in this holy moment are the three longings of each and every one of our spiritual lives. There are three promises that God wanted to offer to Jesus in that moment that I would argue God wants to offer to you, too. God wants us to hear these words not because God thinks we're perfect or as worthy as Jesus was, but because we are called to live into the fullness of what life can look like when we seek to be more like Jesus every day. And what are those promises? They are the ones right in front of us. You are my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Do you hear those three promises? Because I would argue that the first is that we all share a desire to be known. And God reminds us with these words and says, You are mine, created in my image. You are my child." The second is not so very unlike it when God says, as the voice descends from the sky, we not only desire to be known, but we desire to be loved, don't we? And God assures us of this in this moment when God says, you are not only my child, you are the beloved. Third, we desire to know that our efforts are enough. Anyone who has struggled with discernment or calling or purpose in our lives has longed to know that our time and our energies that we spend well, that we have done well. And God affirms that hope with these six simple words. With you, I am well pleased. I think God knew the desires of our hearts before we did. I think that God knew that those desires to hear these words would be so strong that he chose to offer these words of promise and hope to Jesus on purpose as the very first thing that he would hear in this new life with God. Jesus' baptism is a moment of transition from Jesus who had grown up and was that sweet little baby we've been celebrating at Christmas. And this marks his transition into public life and ministry as the person we so often think about as our Lord and our Savior. In that moment of transition, he hears these words, you are my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. These words are not just for Jesus, though. I believe that these words are meant for us here today also, that they are the same for all of us who have been baptized, who will be baptized, or maybe who are even still considering baptism. You are God's own. You are loved. And you are more than enough. There may be no greater truths and no greater hope, and no greater love than the love and the truth and the hope that God longs to give each and every one of us. And so may all of us gathered here today or out in the world to the folks we encounter, may we remember these truths and allow ourselves to hear and embrace and believe and share and live into them. And might we do so not just for our own sake, but for the sake of our God who calls us, 
who pours into us again and again, who offers us life and love and grace and forgiveness in such abundance that it can be found in a gift as simple and as life-giving and as common as the life-sustaining gift of water. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God who calls us your own, who assures us that we are enough, help us, God, to embrace this message of hope, to know, God, that we are created in your image and in your likeness. And as we seek to be more like you with every breath, help us to trust in you, to seek after you, and to let your light shine from within and all around us. In the name of Jesus Christ, your Holy Son, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information on our church calendar, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.